Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy Jamie K. Jamie Jamie. What up? What up? Really dope dudes. What up, my dude? Yo, what's poppin', man? What's going on, man? Man, I'm here. I'm chilling. So much drama happening in the world. Everything that's going on. I thought you was about to say in the LBC. Look, <laughs> <laughs> we trying to get my video stuff taken care of, but um. Because right now we're not public. I don't know why it always does it. It goes private. But nevertheless, man, how was your day, man? You know what, man? It was actually great, man. Today was actually good. Um, really, really, like, got a lot done. But this week, man, has been tumultuous on so many different levels. From work to um, just the politics and all the stuff that's going on to, uh, you know, obviously the protests and everything else. Plus, just recently, just saw another uh, um, another killing that just took place um, not too long ago here, and one in Atlanta, and then there was another one. Um, I forget where it was, but it just seems like it's Groundhog's Day all over again. It just keeps yeah. happening over and over. So I don't know, man. So it's it's a wide range of emotions. Yo, man, they can't stop, man. They can't stop. And then like the, the dude that just got shot in Atlanta, number one, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is, okay, he grabbed the taser, and I didn't see the video yet, but he yeah. grabbed the taser, and at the end of the day, they shot him while he was running, right? He was running away from them, and they shot him in the back. And sometimes I'm like, yo, you could let one person get away. You know, I'm like, you don't got to- It's not him. just that though, but if this is the same story, then this is the guy that was asleep in his car. Right, he was sleeping right? in his car, right. So- you you penalize a man if he drives intoxicated. He realizes he's intoxicated, so therefore he he falls asleep in his car to avoid having to drive um, intoxicated. Right. Now, whether or not patrons had to drive around him, no one's life was in danger. Right. But for for a cop to for it to result in what it results in, it just seems like it goes from zero to a hundred every single time where we are concerned. Which is why. You know, our last show and the last conversation we had, you know, I don't I don't understand what type of training goes into training police officers. And I don't understand, you know, what level of education you have to have or what are the requirements. But I, th- I feel like that's a fairly routine stop. How is right. it that white folks make it out alive damn near every time? Right. And black folks seem to be at a crossroads. Like we always almost need to have like our will in hand and, and our last testament to just sign it off on a dotted line because we know we're going to die right there in the car wherever we interact police officers. Exactly, man. Exactly. And you brought up a good point because the guy is, what, he's sleeping in his car and he's drunk. Yo, let the man sleep in his car. Right. What crime is he going to commit sleeping while he's asleep? Like, Dude, (laughs) so you're, you're not only, you know, driving while black, walking while black, existing while black now sleeping while black living right. while black right you know like <laughs> dude right. like we're running out of like slogans bro exactly man <laughs> exactly and it's getting worse and worse and worse every day man so shout out to all the 14 people who are watching us right now hit us with your comments is with your likes right. i'm still trying to work out some technical difficulties right now because the the, the Facebook stream is just putting it to just friends and not public. But um, but we're on YouTube, too. We're going to keep it going as we're trying to work this thing out. I don't know why it's doing that this week. But nevertheless, we appreciate all the love and we'll get it um, worked out. So, so man, yo, um, let, why, don't we, uh, why don't we jump to this video? I know our topic today was what's the blueprint. Right. And you introduced me to this guy. And I think he has some really helpful things to say. So let's put it out there, see what the public says. And then me and you, we could chop it up and then get into some other Adventist stuff <laughs> that we need to hit up with. That's All right. So this is. I'm Byron F. Wilson, founder of the Wilson Academy. The riots that have taken place all over the country and now all over the world are inevitable. And contrary to the opinions of some, the riots are both effective and necessary. The problem is, it's not a sustainable path to what we want. But then what next? What are we supposed to do? That's what this message is about, what we're going to do. Young people, my college students, my high school students, 
you're ready to act. You're ready to fight. But no one's listening to you. They just keep telling you to go home. But I hear you. We have a plan. In order to find a solution, we must first understand why this is happening. The reason that officers of the law and private citizens acting as if they're officers of the law continue to murder us is because we can offer no consequence. For example, the reason you don't see Jewish people being murdered by police is because the Jewish community can provide economic consequences. They own things collectively. They're well invested in the media and the law. And they've built a strong community by focusing on exclusive internal growth and wealth building. But when members of the black community are murdered by white officers or vigilantes, we peacefully protest, focus on whatever election is upcoming, and ultimately there are no convictions for the criminals. There's something that we missed about how the civil rights movement was affected. Protesting was just the beginning. It was to unify the people and bring attention to the issue. But the next step was always economic action, boycotting, investing in our community. Then that economic action is what forced legislation. The reason our efforts continue to fail is because we first of all keep asking for change instead of forcing it. But secondly, because we keep skipping a critical step in the process. So what do we want? Well, in the short term, we demand justice. In the long term, we demand reform but we must be specific if we are to hold our nation accountable. So we demand three things. One, we demand convictions and equitable and appropriate prison time for all officers involved in the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and all parties involved in the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery. Two, we demand legislation that ensures independent review of public safety officers. And three, we demand a modification to the standards by which officers can be prosecuted. I'm sure you've heard people say, if you want change, get to the polls. Now, I'm not suggesting voting is useless, but the reality is voting will not solve our problem. In fact, we cannot allow ourselves to become distracted by political affiliations. The only way to get the change we seek is to show strength both economically and physically. So first, let's address physical strength. It is both irrational and un-American for us to continue to be met with force and not respond in kind. This is why we need all able Black Americans to exercise their constitutional rights and legally acquire a firearm. Perhaps Ahmaud Arbery wouldn't be alive right now had he been able to defend himself against the thugs who lynched him. And under Georgia's stand your ground laws, well, he would have been within his legal rights. To all my gangbangers, my bloods, my crips, GDs, folk, everybody, I'm asking you to help us protect our communities from the white supremacist groups who would harm us. You are already armed and you're not afraid to die. I hope that you see fit to call a truce and unite against a greater common enemy in order to protect our children, our mothers, our sisters, aunties, and grandmothers. Now we must address how we fight economically. America doesn't particularly care about black life. If it did, we wouldn't still be facing what we're facing right now. What America does care about is black dollars. So we have to start speaking America's language. Effective immediately, we will only buy food from black owned restaurants. This does not apply to grocery stores as we don't feel there are enough black owned grocery stores nationwide at this point to accommodate the initiative. However, there are many grocery items you can find on sites like webuyblack.com. Now, our Black-owned restaurant initiative means that you will need to avoid many of your favorite restaurants, but you will discover new Black-owned favorites. And you must ask yourself what's more important. Understand that this is only phase one of a larger plan. We will implement phase two in the weeks to come, but this is something that everyone can do. So what's the point and why will this work? According to both Nielsen and the CDC, Black people eat more fast food than anyone. By diverting our billions of dollars, we will accomplish two things. One, change is not free. Supporting only black restaurants keeps our money in our communities, money we can ultimately leverage to create the changes we all want to see. And two, it uses our money, money we're already spending anyway, to create powerful billionaire allies. These companies will do what is necessary to get our dollars back. And if that means helping us to meet our objectives, well, then that's what they'll do. There are a few important notes to make when concerning this plan. This is not a boycott. 
we are not punishing white businesses. We are simply consumers who are making a choice to exclusively support black restaurants and the strategic interest of justice and reform. Please note that we are exclusively supporting black owned restaurants, not minority owned. The terms black and minority are not interchangeable. So to my Chinese, Korean, Arabic and Indian restaurant owners, we have nothing against you personally, but if we don't do this now, there will be none of us left to buy your products anyway. If a franchise location is owned by a black person, eat at that location exclusively. We will not harm our own people. There are websites like eatblackowned.com that you can use to find black owned restaurants in your area. But I'm confident that once everyone learns of our initiative, they'll let you know how to find it. We will not support non-equitable services. We will support black restaurants that offer the quality and service we deserve. And if we have a negative experience, we will not generalize and say, see, this is why I don't support black businesses. We will simply express our concerns to the management. And if we so choose, we just won't go back to that particular restaurant, just as we would behave with a restaurant that isn't black. This is not a one day event. Did you know that the famous Montgomery bus boycott lasted over a year? 381 days to be exact. It takes time and consistency to have impact, just as it took time and consistency to implement the racist constructs we are fighting. We will continue with our strategy until our demands are met. At times, this will not be easy. You will be tempted to stray, but please accept that there can be no change without sacrifice. A brief message to white Americans. We don't hate you. We don't hate America. We just need it to work for us in the same way it works for you. Please stop saying all lives matter. Saying all lives matter is like one house in a subdivision is on fire. Fire truck arrives and you ask the fireman to douse your house with water, even though it's not on fire, because your house is important too. We've been asking for equality for hundreds of years now. Please process that. Understand. We're done asking. This word you see on my shirt is ukurua, is Zulu, it means fight. Black people, I need us to know that we are bigger than slavery. Our existence didn't begin when we became useful to America. We have our own continent, our own African culture, our own independent history. We are better than begging to not be murdered. The time has come for us to fight. And now we know how. Now this plan cannot work if people don't know about it. So if you do nothing else, it's important that you share this post or the link to this post on all your social media. And whenever you mention the plan, please use the hashtag, how we fight. You can find a hard copy of the plan at thewilsonacademy.org. Remember, hashtag how we fight, share the post. Ooh, man, <laughs> great facts. I wish yes. I had sound effects in this um, <laughs> Lick off a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, because, yeah, man. I mean, and what he's saying is what a lot of people, I, I think, spend the night that I'm hearing in a lot hotel of parking are, lot. my bad, that a lot of people have been uh, reiterating about, you know, spending black and mm -hmm. um, investing in our community, investing in ourselves and making sure that we have our own stuff and that we're basically doing what everybody else is doing. They got their own stuff that's being sustained, but we're just making sure that we're sustaining our stuff as well. You know, um, there's been a blueprint out there for quite some time. You know, when you look at the Jewish community, the uh, Chinese community, um, the Indian community, I've always just been bewildered as to why we're the only subset of people that refuse to attach or just replicate that in a way that works for us. And I don't understand if there's something that we think that it's risk or there's something over on the other side of the fence where the, we believe the grass is greener or we can't grow, grow on grass or I don't know. But, you know, every time these kinds of things happen where there's a killing or something like that, I always wonder why the protests last a few weeks. And the crazy thing is corporate America knows this. Yeah, you said something one time that uh, that blew my mind, and I f I feel like it's 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 really common sense, but it wasn't so common because when you said it, I I didn't put two and two together, right? So if racism is meant to tire you out, 
Yeah. If it's meant to like psychologically just wipe you down because you know, wipe you out and just completely like just just paralyze you, then they know that you're gonna give in anyway. They know yeah. that they're gonna you're gonna come back to the table, spend the same amount of money with the same corporations, with you know, they, they know you're not gonna go anywhere. So there has never been financial sacrifice or financial uh impact to their bottom line. One week of protest doesn't really hurt their bottom line for the year. You know, so, man, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, piggybacking off what you're saying, man, you know, the saying is let them march, let them get it out their system, and they'll go right back to normal. It's like a kid throwing a tantrum. They're, they're like, right. yo, they're going to throw their tantrum and they'll be right back. Because yeah. guess what? Now that some of these cities are opening up, guess where our folks are right now in those exactly. same establishments? Exactly, exactly, man. And so that's why Nipsey, man, Nipsey was on it, man. Nipsey said, man, this ain't no sprint, it's a marathon. And right. that's. Same thing that you said was is my concern about um, what's happening now because social like social justice always becomes like a hot topic. It's on everybody's tongue as soon as a black person dies, and then when after the trial or whatever happens, we go right back to normal. And so right. I'm worried about you know I'm worried about after after there's a conviction or after something happens. Like, are we still going to continue to protest? Not without just without bodies, but without dimes as well. You know what I'm saying? Right. Start, start setting up our own businesses and start building our own communities because that's that's the marathon right there. That's right. what we needed. Yeah. Um, you know, I so for instance, another example of <laughs> us running right back to the table. So just recently, and I don't know if you heard about this, you know, Starbucks uh basically told folks <laughs> you can't be in here with all this Black Lives Matter crap, right? <laughs> and I guess they they got a whiff or PR was like, yo, y'all need to clean that up. Right. So then they reversed messaging and basically said, no, 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 hold up, pump the brakes. Now nah, you can go ahead and wear your Black Lives Matter, Matter uh, gear in here and whatever, you know, we support and all that other stuff, right? And what did we do? We ran right back, got in line, got a latte, ordered, got a latte you know, ordered the crack in the cup. <laughs> just to, just to, you know we just can't do without their stuff and and I'm pretty sure that there are that there are black owned fully black owned coffee mm -hmm. shops across the nation mm -hmm. and so I don't understand if there's like is there some kind of secret ingredient or something that they offer aren't the beans the same from the same farms and so forth so yeah. why is it that we run right back to our oppressors Yo, man, because black people, man, for us, some of us, we think their ice is colder than ours. You know, like their their ice is much more shaved than ours and they have it. So we have to get it from them. And and it's that product. So, um, man, we you know, and, and the truth be told, like a lot of these companies um, and, and matter of fact, I'm not even going to judge a lot of them. But from my perspective, looking at it, I feel like they're doing all these statements because they don't want to lose black dollars and black support. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like, yo, we need to save black lives. Like Starbucks, Star first of all, Starbucks should have been the last place to talk about you can't wear Black Lives Matters paraphernalia after what you did to two black men in your establishment. <laughs> like, you know, but I just feel like, man, I feel like it's the same thing for all white establishments, man. You look at it, black dollars keep those things moving, keep those things operating and keep them running. I'm pretty sure there's somebody in the, in the comments that's probably an economist that uh, that can probably give some type of um, uh, a financial standing as far as what we contribute to the economy annually as of late. I've heard, you know, some really wild numbers in the past. And and while they may think that, you know, we're going to always just like we'll always vote Democrat, we'll always, you know, you just fall in line because that's what we've always traditionally done. The reason why they operate that they do and there is no real change is because they know that we'll continue to do it. So I'm curious, whatever the financial impact would be, what does that number look like and how much of a crippling effect? If we are still the number one consumers, how much of a crippling effect would that have on the economy? Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm not an economist. I know somebody who is and I'm sure they can. But if somebody out there in the Internet world, if y'all could Google them numbers real quick and put it up here. But I right. Fact though, man, I, I strongly believe for a fact that it would be a big chunk. So um, I'm gonna use this as an example and kind of like you know, kind of pivot a little bit, but stay on the same topic. And 
pers- from personal experience, you look at uh, our church, right? The Seventh-day right. Adventist Church, and we know we have regional conferences and state conferences. Let's just call it black conferences and white conferences. That's a what lot- they are. That's what yeah, they are. We, we are right? <laughs> Let's call it spade a spade. Let's not mince words. That's right. right. But a lot of these white conferences, they're, they're open because there's a whole lot of black dollars circulating in there. There's a lot hmm. of black people in those churches um, and they they help contribute to their success. So I'm sure if 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 we pulled out all of those black people, all those black dollars, and transferred it over to where black dollars are, I don't think the white conference would collapse. But it would. I think it would take a hit significantly. It would um, make a statement. Yeah, it would make a statement. It would take a financial hit. Same thing. Like if you took all black NBA players and pulled them out the NBA, you. The star of the NBA would be Gordon Hayward, you know, like <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that don't even sound right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and, and it, it would it would take a financial hit. It right. would, you know, all those things. So black people, man, I think, man, we just I think for us, what we need to, to discover is that we bring so much spice and flavor to everything, like right. anything we put our hands on. Man, we we turn it to gold, and, and yeah. we and these companies owe us money, right? Uh, for how we have just like how we have touched it. I think it was that that documentary complex, that complex they call horsepower, and Angela Davis was on it, and she was like, Ralph Lauren needs to say thank you to mm-hmm. those young men from Brooklyn that mm-hmm. was wearing his clothes, hmm. that were like. All those young black men and then how it went down to Florida and all those places. He needs to say thank you. Nike needs to say thank you because black people put on their stuff and we styled it. Tommy Hilfiger, all of them do because white folk wasn't wearing their stuff like how we wore it. So so what's the disconnect? Because I hate because listen, we I keep using the phrase Groundhog's Day, right? We we have these conversations. We talk about what we need to do and what we should do. But then from the, from the, from the starting point or the ending point of what we should do to actually putting it in action, what's the disconnect? Why do you think it is that we don't act on what it is? Is it that we don't have enough confidence that enough of us will make a change that it will have an impact or is that we don't want to go at it alone? Yeah. I think, man, I think my thoughts are, I think a lot of us don't try to help each other get there. Sometimes I right. think it's like this, this idea that, oh, I made it to the top, man, you got to make it there yourself. Not like, you right. know, because white people, man, they believe in, in that, in those, those group economics and that group helping each other out. Like, you know, they, they keep that money together. They'd be like, yo, I'm going to put my nephew, if I don't get this, this contractor job, I'm going to let my cousin over there get this job. And I think for black people, I don't know if there's enough sharing of the love and saying like, yo, McDonald, like you got father fresh. If I had a successful business, it's my job to be like, yo, let's sit down and talk and let me show you the rules to this game. Right. So that father fresh could do it. Because I think for black people, man, sometimes we think there's not enough room to share. You know hmm. what I'm saying? Like, if, like if, I, if father fresh becomes like a multi-million dollar organization. Which it will be. Let's speak right, it into exactly. existence. Speak it into That's right. There ain't no room for me. And we need to stop thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? Listen, that's that's the part that I never understood. I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine. He owns a brand, um, Cuff Design. His name is Winston Lee. And um, I've had the privilege to kind of watch the evolution of how he was able to take it from like just this really like small brand that he's been working on, kind of doing pieces here and there, uh, you know, in his garage to now having the air of some of the biggest, you know, distributors and, 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 you know, companies in the country, like, you know, trying to, you know, bust down deals with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this guy's like, yo, he's on a, he's on another level, right? Like there's no way, you know, when I get my joint started that he'll, he'll really have time for me. But yesterday we had a conversation. He and I, we chop it up all the time. We had a conversation yesterday and he literally was just like, spitting out the blueprint basically telling me all the things that i should consider all the things that i i should avoid <laughs> instead of having to bump my knee along the way like basically saying yo this is what i went through you shouldn't have to go through that because i already I already went through that and i can tell you how to avoid it 
basically yeah. giving me the playbook. And he didn't have to do that. Right. And it's not like, you know, in his mind, he's already wired to think like, look, even if we're in the same lane, producing the same things, there's enough of a pie for all of us to get a slice. Yeah. But that thought process is not replicated throughout the black community. We yeah. always feel like someone is in competition for us, like the same way we won't pull somebody up if they if they come into the same company as us. We feel like there's only one room for the token. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. Like, yo, yo. To follow me back on Instagram, ain't gonna cost you nothing. Like, follow me back. Right. Right. <laughs> Don't be sticky with the follows. But, but the other point that I wanted to throw out there is this, man. Um, and so. First, I want to say it's not not all white people help each other out. I think some white folks are just survival of the fittest. Right. They do what they got to do, and some do, and some don't. But the other mm-hmm. thing, too, man, that they have that I think we don't have is generational wealth. Right. So, for example, like if you know, let's let's continue to use Father Fresh. You know, if mm-hmm. your mom and your dad had wealth from houses and land and oil that was handed down, all you got to go to is your your parents and say, "Hey, I want to start this company." I need right. 100K and check right. it, and then you do that. So I think that's another factor. Donald Trump, you, you, Donald Trump, he basically got, you know, he got he got the bread from his dad and yeah. was able to use that. To, I mean, he messed it up. That's not a word I want to use, but, he, you know, he screwed it up. But <laughs> but yeah, imagine. Right. So and which is why I think it's important, though, that, you know, there has to be a paradigm shift now, not later. Now, in our generation to where we shift the way we think in that we can create the wealth that we need to pass down. to. I think this is the first generation where we can actually do that. And if we don't change the way we think and the way that we operate with one another, we're going to still have our hands out, you know, to the same organizations and, and, and basically still be waiting in line for that handout. Yeah. And that's why your man had a good point. So I think like, because we don't have generational wealth, we need to start doing group economics. And so, That means it's like, yo, I'm going to take my little and I'm going to invest here. And I think also there needs to be that understanding is like the same thing with the Instagram. Yo, if I invest here, invest back. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, follow you, follow me back. And let's, let's, let's spread the Listen, love. so there was a, so he, so the same guy, Winston, he told me about how the Chinese do it. And what they do is if I own a, uh, you know, a chicken, fr- whatever you call it, Chinese food spot, right? Right. <laughs> if you're if you're my nephew or my son or whoever, you're not going to get your business automatically. You're going to basically work here for a low wage for a little bit, learn the business. Mm-hmm. When you're ready to go, we're going to pool together and we're going to shoot you this hundred thousand dollar loan that you can then get your stuff running. You don't got to go to a bank. You don't got to go ask nobody for no money. We're right. going to fund you. You're going to take that and, and, and basically replicate the, the playbook. And take that and create your own business. And then when it's somebody else's turn, you pull, you bring somebody. That's why you see a Chinese food store in every black neighborhood. Yeah. You see the uh, the nail shops. You see the hair weave stores. You see, you see, dude. It's like we don't own anything in our neighborhoods. So, right. but they've they've had that playbook for so long that they can replicate it and replicate it in every single black neighborhood there is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, somebody says Susu Economics, yo. I'm <laughs> Tess Bryant. <laughs> yo, I'm feeling that. Not sure I know what Susu is, but exactly, man. It's like putting money into a pot and then we spread it to love. But right, man, it's that. You know, it's it's. I mean, it's 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 a lot of factors, and I think that you said like this. I think our generation is the one generation that we can begin to really start making those advancements and making those changes because. We don't have much, you know, a lot of us, man, we, man, we start off working in debt, you know what I'm saying? Right. Student loan debt that we got to pay back, which the government has put on us. And who knows, you know, who knows how um, some schools could have taken advantage of some students. For a degree you may or may not even use. Yeah. And making you them take, <laughs> and make them take our loans and then letting other kids get grants. You right. Know? Like, like for me, man, the only talk that I had in school was like, yo, you need these loans. You need these loans. And when you're trying to get an education, you're trying to get clear. You're like, yo, give me the money. I'll take it. Right. And like, right. yo, if I borrow 10000 by the time I'm ready, I'm paying back the government 30000 Right. Right. You know, I, I want to. 
Yeah, I want to go back to, to the conversation we were having about, you know, the church um, and the parallel between these corporations that we continue to support, knowing the uh, the practices that they have in place that don't necessarily um, benefit people like us. Right. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, and you've talked about this for a long time, I've always wondered, you know, it was the norm because that's all I saw. Right. We had this black conference. We'll have black camp, you know, camp meetings and and so forth. And then, you know, and then there's like this Camp Calacqua place down in South Florida that I've never even heard of. I didn't even know it existed. And supposedly it's like the Disneyland of 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 campgrounds, yeah. horseback riding and canoeing <laughs> and whitewater rafting and all. And I used to be like, yo, well, if we're the 70 Adventist church, why don't we have access to this? Like, why is it that, you know, the white churches, I mean, I guess you can if you pay a fee or whatever. Yeah. But even beyond that, the construct of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, where they don't support, you know, or the ordination of women, we have openly practiced segregation in two in, in 2020. Yeah. And no one says anything. And everyone just kind of sits there and accepts it as this <laughs> this norm that we should just turn a blind eye to because somehow, some way. Uh, we should just take their word for it that it's written in scripture that this is the way that we should operate. Yeah. So for me, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if we understand that to be the truth in the case, why do we still subscribe to such a system? Man, shoot. Good question, man. So it's like, so, you know, the internet was going nuts. Facebook was going nuts because I put right. that post that said it's kind of hypocritical for the Adventist church to talk about social justice and it practices discrimination i said finances it you know by what it does for women so here's my thing though right with the the black so black and white conferences now i think a lot of people don't understand the history of why they're conferences reason why they're black conferences is because white people um during that time when the church was starting and eugenics was popular they didn't believe that we were fit for leadership you right. know we're like yo y'all y'all supposed to be subservient and so mm -hmm. they made us go start your own thing and then um and then, you know, and yeah, this, this is the crazy part. They said, go start your own thing, but give us your money. Pay your taxes. <laughs> Mind boggling. Like, how are you, you going to kick me out and still take my money? <laughs> right. But that's a whole nother thing. Taxation without representation, bro. And it's so similar to America, because when you look at the structure of our church, they only let a few blacks play golf. You know what I'm saying? And like you got the other blacks just looking inside, like one day I'm gonna get on that golf court and I'm gonna play <laughs> at the window. <laughs> window shopping. Right. <laughs> Here's the issue that I I'm saying is like, yo, um, black conferences, I think they need to stay for the reason why they were started. If they talking about dissolving conferences and getting rid of something, it's not black conferences that need to get that need to go away. It's white conferences. Right. Like if you really believe in equity and social justice. Break down your conference and then come join a black conference right. because you, just started, you you started your thing and your thing did not start out right and then now you want to now because black people in America it just feels like we always got to give up something for equality you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying we always got to let go or, or get rid of our stuff and it'd be black people that be talking about yo get rid of your stuff why you got your own thing black lives matter no all lives matter you know what I'm saying stuff like Bro. that. The, the, it's 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 replicative of the Starbucks scenario we just talked about, right? Yeah. The difference, though, is the corporation <laughs> Starbucks actually put out a position to say, okay, you know what? No, 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 never mind. We support it. The Seventh-day Adventist Church corporately is mum when it comes to social justice issues. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen like, or it's curtailed and written in a way where it doesn't offend anybody. Yeah. Why? Why would we continue? I, I don't get it. I can I can speak for my 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 household, you yeah. know. And what we gonna do is right. we're not paying into that system, and yeah. we'll 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 pay locally and support the local cause. But in terms of supporting a structure that openly oppresses or does not support the effort of black and colored people, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't pay into that. Yeah, especially when. Black people have given so much to this church. Black people make up a large percentage of the church. Black people have lost jobs, lost family members for this church. Right. And for you to take so long to come out. Like, here's the crazy thing, right? 
the GC, the Ted Wilson, man, I had saved it. I don't remember what it was, but they came out with some statement about something that was happening in some country to, to the individuals, like immediately, man, like released a statement. Like I think it was Burundi wow. or something like that. Immediately released a statement. Man, I think it might've been Burma. A Burma or something like that. Right, one like, of those places. In America where your financial, all your, most of your money comes from, I mean, from Trayvon Martin all the way through now into 2020, we finally get us some sort of weak statement and I'm gonna say it was a weak statement, weak whack statement about um, about the, the 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 civil unrest and the injustice. And then this is the other thing too. It's like this, right? There was a statement about COVID nineteen, and I also feel that man, if 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 things in America aren't as long as things in America affect a certain group of white people, that's when they have um, that's when they have something to say within the church. Right. But if it's affecting right. black people, nah, you know, nah, you know, it's, it's supposed to happen or whatever. And and we just sit down and we eat that. And I just want to put out there to the internet world that when I say white people, I'm not talking about all white people. I'm talking about those that are in positions of power that we could identify. But how this church is, man, it's like black bodies don't matter. Yeah, not, well, and that's why I think, again, so this goes back to, and I'll probably keep saying it. It goes back to corporations know you'll come back, right? Yeah. There is no real incentive to change course. The one thing that 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 you know really intrigued me about the video you showed at the onset of the, the podcast was that he said the reason why government, you know, uh, police and all these other folks have no real incentive to make any changes to policies that impact us as colored people, black people, whatever you want to call us, African-Americans, is because there is no ramifications in terms of economics. It's the only language they speak. It's yeah. the only language. They don't speak march. They don't speak kneel. They don't speak protest. They don't speak riots. Yeah. They don't speak we shall overcome. They don't speak none of that. All they speak is economics. Dollars. And if we keep, and if we keep, protesting and doing all these other things. And I think that those things are great because it calls attention and it creates a stage or a platform to, to make your, your, your position known. But beyond that, once the marching is stopped, once the, yeah. uh, all that is stopped, then what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Clifton Stevenson said powernomics, man. I'm with that. Uh, Word. you know, Claude Anderson, but here's the thing, man, the power is in the people, right? And the people can get whatever they want. They just need to use that, figure out a way to harness that power and to declare exactly what they want to see. But you're absolutely right, man. When when the money stops coming in, you know, the balcony, the people on the balcony, they start looking at the dance floor like, yo, what's right. going on? Why the music stop? And we really need to start assessing that and figure out, you know, what matters, man? What what really is, what what? What's your mission and what's the purpose and why are we here? It's like this, right? If if I if I give you money and I'm like, yo, McDonald, buy me a black shirt. Mm-hmm. And every week, every you know, tomorrow you come back with a blue shirt. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. Blue shirt is nice, but I want a black shirt. And then right. I go ahead and I give you more money and say, all right, let's go get me a black shirt. You come back with a white shirt. Obviously, at some point, I'm going to be like, I'm a dummy if I keep giving you money and you right. keep that and i kind of feel like that's what happens in our church it's like we want women's ordination there's a large group that wants it we keep giving money for that and then we keep getting back the thing that we don't want and then we keep giving you back money hoping that you're going to do that here's what i can guarantee you and here's something that i know for sure when you start talking about money if we know that that's the way that that's the language that they speak i guarantee you if, if churches started withholding checks for the next month, heck, the next two weeks, you will have a seat at the table to vent about whatever it is, or or they'll you'll see changes immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about withholding it to get a seat at the table to talk. I'm yeah. talking about withholding money to 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 see action. I don't want to hear about oh yeah we'll come listen to you and you know we'll talk about about it at whatever uh, Congress whatever crap they do, they sit in a room and listen, man, I, don't make me go in. All I'm saying is like, look, 
I want to see action because we. Yeah. This is something for as long as I can remember. That's been a debate in the church about whether or not women should have a place at the same level that men men do, yeah. and the fact that there are black people that support that way of thinking. Yeah, I made a comment on your post about you know there's no it's asinine yeah. if you are openly supportive of civil rights, openly supportive of you know black rights. How could you possibly then say, okay, uh, well, yeah, that's where it stops, but we won't go all the way. And so, but I can't support, you know, women having equal, you know, equal rights as men. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't, I don't understand why there wasn't a class action lawsuit. Bro. <laughs> women with that joint, like that joint doesn't make sense to me. But that's the thing. The doctrine brainwashes people into thinking like, if you oppose this, then Christ himself will be offended. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is this. Right. It's like why it's so hypocritical is and Vanessa Jones put this on the thread and I thought that was powerful. They use the Bible to justify the husband of one wife and the head and all this stuff. But, you know, you know what the church does? We ordain divorced men who right. remarried and make them elders and have them running all around the church. And then we justify it and saying that, um, you know, uh, women can't be ordained. Let's take it a step further. Yeah. Pastors that get caught up in scandal, all they do is relocate them to another conference. That's right. Put them in a box. Go. <laughs> yeah, let's put them in, put them out in the swamps. You know, we'll 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 keep paying them. You know, because he probably because he probably got dirt on y'all. We'll keep yeah. paying him, but yeah. we're not going to fire him. Yeah, and and here's the thing too, right? It's like it's like oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, here's here's the thing: women in ministry are held to a higher degree than the men are. Because they have to really like walk on eggshells and they have to be perfect. They can't mess up. They got to meet every goal because they have to constantly prove to the men that they belong. And let's so, get back. Go ahead. Finish, finish your finish your first. Go ahead. I got some. Go ahead. They're not getting packed in no box and shipped away. They're getting fired. That's what's going to happen. They're going to get done. Listen, and I guarantee you that there are examples of this, but listen. Here's what I know about numbers. Just let's look at just purely numbers. Yeah. I would venture to say that there are more women in the church than men. Absolutely. Do you agree? Absolutely. I would take a step further and say that there are more women that tithe in the church than men. Would you agree? Absolutely. Now, if women really want change and men that support those women want change, hold that money. That's right. I guarantee you'll get change. <laughs> That's right. Brothers would be brothers would be bending over backwards. To fix man, listen. <laughs> Prostrate. <laughs> Yo, and the other thing too, man, and I'll go out and say this, man, I think women need to be in the forefront of leading this movement for black America and the church and all that stuff, man. I think that we need to start giving more opportunities for the women to lead and for them to start using their voices um, for, for change, man. I just see like, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have worked with some really dope, powerful women and Man, they got some great things to say. They've always had great things to say. And I think, man, it's time that we just start letting them letting them talk that talk. And then let's see where it goes from there. What do you think the fair is? Like, what do you what do you think? Like, let's let's move the fluff out of it. What do you think the reluctancy? Let's let's not even get into the doctrine and all that. Like, what do you think the reluctance is? Is it that they think these women will outshine them? Because I, I know a lot of bad preaching women that could probably shut down a lot of these hot smoke pumping <laughs> out guys <laughs> yeah, man i think man it's the fear of losing power and control you know and the fear of it's almost like you know how white america felt about barack obama being president i don't want to listen to no black man tell me what to do mm -hmm. i think there's men in the church that are just like i don't want to listen to no woman tell me what to do and so they have this idea that you know women in leadership they're going to be like super aggressive and that that angry black woman type mentality but they right. I mean, they're just saying yo piece of the pie and you're right man there are some sisters in this church yo they would run they'll run circles around me um Word. you know and i'm not the greatest speaker but they're just real dope man just let them have they let them have their cake and eat it too so what's the difference so ray marshall just asked a question you know about how they will ordain female elders in the church but they won't do it in terms of pastoring what's the difference like what's the separation because don't elders have the ability to preach to or is it just the leadership of running a church 
This is the separation. They will not ordain female pastors because they don't want them to be conference presidents. Hmm. If you're not ordained, you cannot be a conference president. So here it is, right? You got this lady, um, Sandy Roberts in California, who's the president of the Southeastern California Conference, mm. and they don't even recognize her as a legitimate president because she's a woman. And let me tell you wait, this. Wait, unpack that for a little bit. What do you mean they don't they don't acknowledge her? What do you they mean? They don't recognize her as like as one of, you know, um, as one that uh, went, I guess, like bylaws or whatever it is to recognize her as an established president of a conference. California went out and did their own thing and they were like, yo, this woman is the truth. So from my understanding is that she is not treated or or in, in a sense like on documentations and things like that as the male counterparts of uh, various conferences. But this thing, she's killing it. There are people in her Isn't California like one of the top conferences there are as far as the way they operate and success and all that? That's right, because they're progressive. You know, and they have a woman that's leading and who's doing an awesome job. So, you know, one of the criteria is to be a president of a conference is you have to be ordained. And there's certain things that you can do and you can't do. And so what we did, we made up this backdoor uh, backdoor title called commissioned. And I'm like, man, that's so dumb to me, man. Like, just ordain them. Like, what the big deal is, man? So maybe, you know, maybe, okay, maybe I don't understand what ordained. Break that down for me, because are you really sitting here telling me that? there's a few guys in a room that determines who is up next and who can do what. And their the ordination is basically them putting a stamp on you saying that you can now represent the church yeah. in this way or that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically, you know, they say after three or four years, we recognize your gifts and um, we want to, place ordination on you, which is totally erroneous because that's not biblical. Biblical is like when Jesus called the 12, he ordained them. They didn't have to do nothing. They followed him and once um and he ordained them immediately, right? So there was no like long process of watching you do this or do that. And so basically ordination, to put it in probably a term that you would understand, is tenure. Like when a professor it's like yeah, but we call it ordination. We might as well call it tenure. That's what it is. So you get ordained, and then like what you can do is you can open, you can you have permission to 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 start churches and all that. Churches, you can go around the world, and you're recognized by the Adventist Church as someone who is ordained. So some of these sisters too, right? If they go to Africa or they go to some of these other countries, and they say they're commissioned, them countries are not going to recognize them as you know. They're going to they're gonna spit on them, um, not literally, but just like, oh, right. that don't mean nothing. So, you know, so it has like it has like um, what's that? longstanding effects on um, on on what what they can and cannot do. And it, it separates them from the men. But here's the thing, though. They got to meet the same baptismal goals. They got to raise the same tithe. They got to keep their churches open. And they got to do all of that in a male-dominated fraternity, and they still holding it down. I mean, hats off to all the sisters that that are still in this thing. Because I know as a dude, I'll be like, chuck up the deuces, yo. <laughs> yo, I got some choice words I want to use, man, but I keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, Martin Van Bruisberg, he says, man, there's basically no difference between an elder and a pastor. An ordained pastor can be a president that can start a church. That's basically it. Yeah, it's just, that's basically it. So you're not commit, you're just commissioning women. But here's the thing, right? You said it, man. They give most of the dollars. They are always supporting what men do. And, and they don't have equal rights, equal status. And there are people out there that will die on it and say they don't deserve it. You know what that reminds me of? Puerto Rico. They pay taxes. They they do all the things that are required of a U.S. citizen, but they can't vote in general elections. Right. What is that? Right. What kind of what kind of what kind of democracy are we in, man, where 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 people are taxed and no representation? And that's why today I put a post up to saying that I feel like there, there are too many parallels between America and the Adventist church. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it's like, it's like, man, we, we're similar in certain ways, man. It's like the bottom 
feeds the top. Yes. You know, and the top is enjoying it and and they're doing what they're doing. They plan programs and then they charge the bottom to come to it. Um, discrimination in regards to women's and equal rights. And I'm saying, man, we're supposed to be countercultural and different, but we're, right. we're actually doing similar things to we run that parallel to the government. Yeah. That's why they're located. Aren't they where are they based? In DC? Yeah, so so Silver Spring, <laughs> Maryland. Oh, Maryland. Okay. Well, not too far. Yeah, speaking of Maryland, man, I know we got a few minutes left, but uh talking about the White House, your, your boy, man, 46 minus one, the toddler in chief, yo, talking about <laughs> he wants to do a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th. On June. If yo, if he ain't the yo, this this is my thing. I think he intentionally trolls black people. You have to, I think he does that stuff to troll America. Like that's that, not news, man. That's not news. This guy, he's like a walking tantrum, man. He's he's yeah. like a you know what? And I and I feel like yeah, I'm sure there is like calculations behind him deciding to do it that day and all of that. But why do we care? Why? What? How does that change our day? Right? Yeah, it's an insult, and we, you know, we don't like it and all that. But then, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. I think everything that happens from now on, we got to ask ourselves the question: Well, what are you going to do about it? Are yeah. we going to continue to just, you know, be mad about the fact that he, you know, that he's pandering to his base, which he should do? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm not mad at him for doing that. He should do that. That's that's how it works, right? Uh, or are we gonna, you know, step up when it when it comes time to vote? Not yeah. just nationally, but locally as well. Yeah. Like well, no, one, no one cares in the end. You know, no one's gonna look back and say, "Oh well, yeah, he had a a rally on such and such day." But what exactly are we gonna do about it to hold his feet to the fire come November? Yeah, yo, this this is what I need. I need um I need black athletes and all of those rich uh black people to do this man uh, at that rally i need y'all to buy all the tickets and just put a whole <laughs> <laughs> black people on ja Rule. <laughs> and, have, and have juneteenth at the trump rally oh, bring, your, bring your music bring your red juice your beans and rice and Listen, man. Is right, like just, we got to celebrate harder, man. It is what it is. Like, look, racists are going to be racist. That's right. And there's nothing you can do about that. I would rather know where someone stands than have to guess where they stand. You know, I'd rather be next to my enemy than a friend that I don't know whether or not they got my best interest in mind or not. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, man, it is, man. So Jen, Junie, man, she's like, she's confused, man. How is it this church supports and uplifts E.G. White writings as almost equivalent to the Bible, but won't support female coordination? Is she not a female? Junie, she's not a female. All right. <laughs> a simple answer. Simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy, man. Like, the irony in that joint, man, it's like, you're, everything we do, like, I can preach about social justice and equality. Right. From the Bible, and people look at me like, and then as soon as I say what Ellen White says, they're like, "Wow, facts," you know. So, and we always talk about how we don't, we we don't put her writings up to the Bible, man. That's not You're true. right. You're yeah, right, man. It is, it is the Bible. <laughs> yeah, and people have left the church because of how we preached Ellen White on them, and 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 you know, and 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 that's a whole other conversation that we. Right. We could we could deal with, but I don't really want to deal too much about the Adventist Church and what they do with their practices and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, man. So man, we uh, so what's 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 the what's the blueprint, man? What 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 do we need? What do we need to do? I'm throwing this at you. What do you think? Right. I think I think the blueprint is you know not just support in terms of like um, supporting others' business, but giving someone the playbook, right? Yeah. Like just copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, you know, pass it down to generation, pass it down to someone next to you. Like if we get rid of this mindset that, you know, if I give this person a playbook, then all of a sudden that means that it's going to eat into my share. That's not true. You know how much money there is out there. You know how many millionaires there are out there yeah. that are white or that are Indian, that are Chinese, that are all these other races. 
and they continue to pass information on to one another. I think we need to do that uh, unabashedly. Yeah. I think we need to all like start becoming, you know, entrepreneurship may not be for everyone, but if you can and you have the means, I think you should. Yeah. And if someone does start a business, I think that you should support them because that's going to give them the capability to then turn around and support someone else. Yeah. Um, it's been far too long that we have not followed that mold. And I think that we need to begin doing that. I think yeah. unless unless we do those kinds of things, we're probably going to be back here in a month having the same conversation when somebody else gets killed. Yeah. Yeah. Deltanya Rollins. What up, Deltanya? Big shout out. I ain't heard from you in a minute, but she's like the Jews do it and they thrive as a community. I think that's so true because, man, what the Jews have been able to do is that in which blacks didn't have the opportunity is Jews were able to take their traditions, their culture with them from wherever they were and establish that in America. And I think for black people, we weren't able to bring those cultural traditions that we have from Africa. Most of us don't know where, what tribe or where we're from and those values. And I think, man, we need to probably start start some new tribes, you know, start a brand new tribe. And let's look into zip code of, you know, if I'm in your zip code and you're in my zip code and let's let's have this zip code tribe where we're supporting each other and bringing in black business and making sure that um we have conversations about how to help each other. Like I'm in full support of Father Fresh. Like I want to see Father Fresh succeed. I want to give as much time and investment to it so that. Mm-hmm. It can succeed. And not simply because I want you to return the favor to me, but because right. I'm like that, that it's a race shirt, you know, man, I'm voting for everybody that's black. I'm rooting Word. for everybody that's black. Right now, yeah. you're black, I'm rooting for you. So, you know, to throw it out there to everybody that's here, man, it's like, if you got a business or you, you starting something, put it out here, put it on my thread, put it on McDonald's thread. We'll follow you, follow back, and let's know what you're doing so that we can support each other and making sure that our dollar stays in our community. Yeah. I think what we could start doing too is maybe like featuring business owners, you know, on here and giving them a platform to talk to our audience and just kind of talk about what they got going because, you know, look, it's not just, um, you know, making a purchase here and there It's also spreading the word. Yeah. I think that this, this platform, it may not necessarily be the biggest thing, but people listen, people watch, people share. And I think that if we feature maybe, I guess, you know, for maybe five, 10 minutes, talk a little bit about what it is you got going on, you know, what sector you're in, you know, what's your specialty and just put the word out there. And I think we all can do that. It costs you nothing to share somebody's link. Yeah. It costs you nothing to like a post. It costs you nothing to follow someone on Instagram or follow someone on Facebook. It costs you nothing to do those kinds of things. And that's the bare minimum, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah man. It's, it's really not, man, it costs you nothing. Absolutely, man. It costs you nothing to say, I'm not going to buy a t-shirt from Nike. I'm going to buy a t-shirt from Father Fresh. Right. Same money, man. You, you're probably getting a better quality. And it. we just got to be, we just got to- There's no slave labor behind it. Word, right? <laughs> Let's put that out there. Nobody in the Philippines, you know, like sewing up your shirt. And I think, man, right. we got to be able to see everybody win. And as your man said in the video, it's not because we don't like white folks or because we don't, we're trying to pull away from them. We're just saying that we love ourselves. That's that's what we're really saying. We're saying we love ourselves and we're investing in ourselves. And we would love if you would invest as well. Don't take over. Don't buy the business out. Invest in the business and let's continue to have our own stuff. Yeah, man. Yo, we hit another, we, we hit another hour, man. So, so somebody actually put something up here that I think might be a good conversation and that's my dude, Warren Walwin. And he was like, man, uh, big difference between black capitalism and black institution building. Mm. And man, that's, that's all. That sounds deep, man. So I think, man, maybe we could hit that on the next episode. And then we could probably talk about what's the difference between institution building and black capitalism. But yo, yeah, man. and I think that if folks in the audience, you know, have suggestions of topics they'd like us to touch on, you know, feel free to put those in the comments and uh, also share the post with someone that has not had a chance to take a, you know, take, have a listen. You know, you can find us on uh, Two Really Dope Dudes on Instagram. You can also find content under Raise Your Voice on Facebook or on uh, YouTube under Jamie Calazar's page. Um, there's in, there's a lot of information out there, but you can find information on my page as well, McDonald Gene on Facebook. But we appreciate the time. And as always, man, you know, it's two really dope dudes and we out.
Yes, sir. Peace is deuces. Make sure you love each other. Wash your hands and stay <laughs> And All wear right. your mask. Wear your mask. All right. Peace. <laughs> peace.